all, this is John Lawrence with Anesthesia Guidebook. I cannot wait to get this podcast out to you on parenting and anesthesia school. I'm joined by Nate and Lynn Wooden, who are married and the parents of two boys, aged six and nine, as this show comes out the 1st of October, 2021. If you're a critical care nurse, medical student, resident, or SRNA, or a spouse or partner to one of these folks, and you're wondering how to hold it all together as a parent and partner during anesthesia training, or even if it's possible for you to go back to anesthesia school, this podcast is for you. We don't hit a list of bullet points in this one. There's no simple how-to here. Instead, we walk through Lynn and Nate's story, and in it, you'll find some incredible insights of how they prepared for anesthesia school, parented during anesthesia school, and stuck together as a couple all the way through to the end. Lynn just wrapped up her Master's of Nursing and Anesthesia at the University of New England a couple of weeks ago and decided to go back to school after working as a nurse for 20 years, 17 of which were as a critical care nurse in a cardiothoracic intensive care unit. Nate is a licensed marriage and family therapist who focuses his practice on child and adolescent therapy. He completed his Bachelor of Arts in Psychology at the University of New Hampshire in 2000 and his Master's of Arts in Marital and Family Therapy from the University of San Diego in 2007. He then completed a Postmaster's Certificate of Studies in Play Therapy in 2009 from the University of California, San Diego. Lynn worked as a critical care registered nurse at Maine Medical Center and came back to train for a couple of months with the anesthesia team at Maine Med, where I work as the SRNA clinical coordinator. We got to spend a few days in the OR together, and that's where I first heard snippets of her story. When she talked about how hard it was to make it the decision to go back to school after working as an ICU nurse for 20 years, how her and Nate have a son with PANDAS, which encompasses a set of neuropsychiatric disorders, and how Nate is a child and family therapist who Lynn always bragged about as being such a huge support to her and her boys, I knew I wanted to get them on the podcast and hear more about their story. And it's a remarkable story. I think you're really going to enjoy hearing it. I got a couple other things for you before we get to the show. Lynn was in the same class as Robert Montague. You might remember Robert and his wife, Jenny, from episode 15 titled Significant Others in Anesthesia School. That episode came out in December of 2020. Robert also just successfully passed boards and became a CRNA along with Lynn. He and Jenny are doing well and are also enjoying life after anesthesia school. I think both this and that podcast, episode 15, would be key shows to listen to if you're considering going back to anesthesia school as parents, or if you're in an anesthesia program or residency right now and just need a little encouragement to keep going and find ways to make it work. They're great shows for you and your partners, so listen to them together. There's really never a good time to go to anesthesia school, and having a significant other and kids can make the process very challenging. And while both of these families have found ways to thrive during their programs, others are frankly not. For I think the first time ever on the podcast, in this episode, I talk a little bit about my own path in anesthesia school, which involved going through a divorce in my first marriage within the first six months of the program. And then meeting my wife in the program, who I now share life with, along with our three-month-old son, and how helpful marriage therapy has been for both of us. I know other SRNAs who are either in or have gone through extremely challenging family situations, including the loss of a child or a partner, severe illness, trauma and surgery, ugly divorces, restraining orders, physical and emotional abuse, and more. 
For those of you out there who are struggling, I want you to know that you are not alone and that help is available. The AANA has a wealth of resources available that I'll link to in the show notes. There's also a free 24-hour crisis text line if you need support right now. You can text literally anything to the number 741-741 and a trained counselor will reach out with support over text. You can Google and look that service up. It's the crisis text line. You can also find support at your university or hospital through wellness committees and student or employee health services. There are usually always a few free confidential counseling and therapy resources available within universities and hospitals. So don't struggle alone. Reach out to one of these resources, get help. It is a very human thing to do. And hopefully you'll find a little hope and encouragement through Lynn and Nate's story. And with that, let's get to the show. Well, Lynn and Nate, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm so stoked to talk with both of you. Pleasure yeah, to be here. Thanks for having us. And so I know you, you're you're both on here. Your parents, your kids are like holding down the fort, trying to do bedtime a, a little bit on their own. So, uh, <laughs> so it's a treat to have both of you on here, just so the listeners know what we're dealing with this evening. Yeah. So, so Lynn, let's start with you. You just wrapped up grad school at the University of New England and passed boards NCE this last week. So, congratulations. How does it feel? Thank you. It feels well. At First, it felt very anticlimactic because literally I passed my boards and came home and my kids were in quarantine from school because of COVID. So I had to like come home and homeschool them like right after. And um, Nate went off camping to have some alone time, well-deserved alone time. Mm. So the first 24 hours was kind of like, oh, well, here I am. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Spanish and math and um, doesn't really feel like I'm a CRNA, but... Um, yeah, there was no big party, no, big no party, pinata, no, no nothing, nothing, just a bunch of screaming yeah. kids and yeah. dad gone. Yeah. <laughs> but back, back to family mode, which is exactly. what we're talking about, which is awesome. Literally, literally instantly like drove home and that was the deal. Uh, but now, you know, a couple of days later, um, I've been able to sleep. I've had nothing to do um, and it feels real. It feels amazing. It feels weird. Uh, it feels weird not to study and it feels great. It feels I'm like elated. It's amazing. Uh, it feels- I, I'm so stoked for you. I'm just, yeah. I'm just <laughs> smiling ear to ear over here. So I'm so happy for you, Nate. How does it feel for you? I mean, you've been on dad mode for the last few years. How does it feel to be at this point after almost three years of your wife being in anesthesia school? Magical. Magical. So I left Monday morning and I went to. Well, so Monday was my. Right. My Mondays exam. were the exam. I stuck around with the boys, did the the morning homeschool routine. And then Lynn showed up. She had just passed her boards. Gave me a hug. And I said, see you later. I'm right, <laughs> packed up, ready to go. And I took off. You did. And it was like the probably the first time, John, in like three years that I'd ever actually been quiet in my own brain. Wow. This was camping. I mean, I went fishing. I hung out. I ate whenever I wanted to. I did whatever I wanted for two days. And it was like a whole other world because wow. we've been in the craziness of not only Lynn being in grad school and being unavailable, but like COVID. COVID. And, yeah, totally. You know, having the kids home and doing hybrid school and all this. Crazy. So it's just been nuts. And it was just such a 
shift to be by myself doing something fun for yourself quiet yeah and quiet like nobody (laughs) talking to you where did you go camp uh hermit island oh nice island style here in maine Yeah, you got it. Way to do it. That's awesome. So let's get some of the backstory out for folks. So Nate, tell us, tell us who who is in your family. We've heard about two boys, and one thing I'm really interested in too, Nate, is this professional background of yours. Uh, So tell the listeners a little bit about that. Yeah. So I uh, have been in the mental health field for about 20 years, working in psychiatric hospitals. Uh, here in Maine and Hawaii, then group homes, residential treatment facilities in California. And then um, for the past 15, 16 years now, I've been uh, practicing as a therapist and was out in California, was licensed there, and then moved back here and uh, started my own little practice. And so I'm there three days a week, um, which is really nice because I'm home Mondays and Fridays with the boys, whether they're at school or I'm here doing chores. Um, And I see pretty much the whole population from like, at this point, like six years and up. Um, But mostly teenagers are sort of my niche, teenagers and young adults. Um, Nice. And it's like, it's like family counseling. Uh, no, it's, it's mostly individual work, but anytime working with a child or a teenager, there's definitely some family work weaved in there. I don't do the traditional, just have the family in, but, um, I definitely work with family members with that one individual too. Yeah. So, yeah. And tell us about who, who your boys are. So we've got Hawk, who is nine, going to be turning 10 soon, and Oslo, who is uh, six and has a birthday coming up in less than a month. Um, So they're just awesome kids, and um, we do all sorts of awesome activities like lobstering off our little skiff that we have here, fishing, camping, hiking. we got gardens in the backyard. They're just amongst it all. And it's awesome. That's awesome. So Lynn, tell us about your path to anesthesia school. What was your background in nursing? What brought you to the decision to go to anesthesia school? How did you approach that in terms of being a mom of probably at the time, what, like a a three-year-old and a six-year-old when you're, when you're gearing up for anesthesia school? Yeah. So I've been, well, at the time of anesthesia school, I had been a bedside nurse for 20 years. So I had primarily, I think for 17 years done, um, ICU. I had done like initially right after college, um, I had done like a year of med surge, a year of, um, I am, you know, intermediate care. I did some ER and then I got trained for ICU and then I became a traveler ingested ICU on the West coast. Um, and then, um, we moved back here to Maine, um, after getting married and I worked at Maine Med in the ICU there for several years. So I took care of, um, you know, just super sick patients, um, never wanted to go back to school, loved what I did, loved precepting, loved bedside nursing, then had two kids. And I was like, Oh, I'm a mom of young kids. I would never go back to school. Um, but then I just kind of got, um, bored. Um, I still loved, I kept saying I was, I'm burnt out. I'm burnt out. And I was precepting someone that was new to the unit and they were like, you know what? I don't think you're burnt out. I think you're just bored because you really love what you do. You're just 
kind of bored. And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. That's uh, really interesting. Yeah. And at the same time we had, uh, our older son was having some medical issues and we literally needed money for like, um, treatment. And we, I was like, how am I going to get more money? We had to take out a second loan. And I heard about, I mean, everyone came to the CTICU to go to anesthesia school. Everyone came and went to anesthesia school and I was just hearing more about it. And I was like, you know what? maybe I'll try it. Um, I met all the qualifications. So I was like, I'll just, I'll just take biochem and see how it is to study over, you know, over the summer, see how my husband is with the kids. He did great. I did great. So I was like, all right, so I'll apply and see what happens. Well, then I got an interview. So then I was like, okay, so I go to the interview and then I got in and I was like, oh my (laughs) God, what the heck? (laughs) I got in what we have to put a deposit down. What the heck am I going to do? We were just like freaking out. Cause we we're like, I guess we didn't really think it was really going to happen. All of a sudden we needed a deposit in like a week. And we we're like, what are we going to do? Um, so I was just scared. I was scared because my, our older son, like I said, had health issues. And I was like, what if I'm in school? I had many friends go to anesthesia school that said you, when you're in, you aren't in school. Like you cannot, do anything at home. Cause you just have to be like, you know, super involved in school. So I was just scared. Like, Nate, can you handle it? Is our kid going to be okay? Like our kids are so young, but I just really felt this push that like now is a good time. And in my head, I was like, no, it's not a good time. I'm a mom. Like I have young kids, like all these things. And I just kept getting this push. Like, yes, now go now. Now is good. I'm like, okay. So I went and honestly, it was like the best thing I could have done. Um, I love the profession. I loved, I mean, school was so hard, but I definitely think it's worth it. Uh, and now we're on the other side. So it definitely feels worth it. Um, but it wasn't something I didn't all grow up and always want to be a nurse anesthetist. I didn't always want to go back to school. I thought I'd never go back to school. Um, so it definitely was unexpected change, but it was well worth it. And I'm glad I did it. Yeah, that's so good. And and just so folks know, it was a pleasure working with you, Lynn. We got to spend a couple months together. That sounds like too much. You were at our clinical site for a couple of months. And so we worked together a handful of days during that time. But uh, pleasure to work with. I'm so stoked for you and Nate. And we've been planning this podcast for a while as we've gotten to know each other. So I'm, I'm so glad to finally uh, put this show together for folks. So when you think back on... Uh, grad school, going through anesthesia school the last three years with kids, with the focus of giving some advice to other people who might take a similar path with young children, what do you think some of the biggest challenges were in planning that with your family? Mm, I can just think of one, John, the other, well, it was earlier today I was saying to Lynn because she often corrects me when I say, I mean, you were gone for like, you know, so long, two and a half years. She's like, well, actually, I was really gone for like four months, but but gone meaning she was out of the game of like family, right? Like she was either studying or doing this and the other thing. Like she was, she may have been around, but she wasn't actually being mom for the most part. Um, so it was like uh, pretty significant that she was gone for so much of the time, even though she might've been in the other room or right down the street at UNE, she was gone for like more than two and a half years. Um, yeah. And Lynn, I remember talking to you a little bit about that in clinical and just how hard that kind of vibe was for you. I mean, as a mom of young children yeah. to, 
And Nate, you described it perfectly. Like, even though she's there, she's not, right? And Lynn had talked about that, that, like, I'm home, but I ha- my focus is elsewhere, and it has to be. But, Lynn, I remember you talking about how hard that was for you. Yeah, I mean, it was, because he's right. I mean, I was present physically, but my mind was constantly consumed with school. And, and I knew that. But I didn't, it didn't, I didn't but, really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't know it either. Right. I mean, I knew it, but I didn't really understand what yeah. that had been like. Right. Like, I got that concept to actually be like, no, she's pretty much just gone. Yeah. Like, until school was done, and I was like, oh, my God, I can, I was like, Nate, I can talk to you and have a conversation mm-hmm. with you. Like, and it, it really, really emphasized the fact that, yeah, when I was here, I really wasn't. My brain was so consumed with, like, um you know, physiology and like the question of the day or just like, you know, my, some tests coming up or my care plans or, so it was a couple things like, or I have a lot of. It's funny because today's the first day you've been here. I know. Right? Yeah. Today's the first day. Literally. Cause yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today what, was a- what do you mean? Today's the first day. Well, she, well, she passed her boards, but I've been gone with the kids and we came home yesterday. So today's like the official first day. Wow. And you made time for a podcast. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I feel very privileged. Like no studying today. No No. thinking about studying, planning for studying. No, like nothing. Chilling. Yeah. It's been great. Well, yeah. well, thank you again for taking so much time for taking some time out of your, out of your first full day as a family at home. Yeah. Yeah, Well, we wanted to talk to you when all this was like still very real to us. Fresh. Um, but I do want to add a couple things. Um, I mean, I feel like I have a lot of challenges, but I'll just name a couple. Um, number one, I know that this is a, what we had talked about, John, was um, one of the things was like is like the mom guilt. Like the mom guilt is like real. I'll never forget the first week of school. Um, I'm in didactic. You know, I, I barely make it home for dinner. And my younger one, who at the time was like four, gets in my lap and he's hugging me and cuddling with me. And he's like, Mama, do you still love me? Oh. Like, oh my gosh, of course I do, Ozzy. Like, why would you say that? And he goes, Well, you're just not home anymore. So I'm just mm. wondering. I lost, like, I kept it together for him, but I was like, like, after he went to bed, I just bawled because I was like, Oh my God, my kid thinks, like, how dare he even ask me? Like, do, yeah. do, do I love him? Like, of course I do. You know, like, he's like, Well, you're not home anymore. I'm like, Oh my That's God. That's heart wrenching. I was, I like was like, did I make the right choice? Was this a bad idea? Like, what am I doing? Like, so that mom guilt just ruined me, um, for a while. Um, and then the stress of like the other mom guilt thing, it was like, again, with me being consumed with school, I'll never forget. I didn't have so much studying one day. So it's like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get home early. I'm going to relieve the babysitter. I'm going to get the kids in bed instead of the babysitter. It's going to be great. So I get home. Well, the kids are you know, messing around, playing. They're not listening to me. They're not getting their pajamas on. They're not brushing their teeth. And I'm just irritated because I was like, oh, well, I'll get a a little more studying done like later, which I rarely did. But um, so I'm like freaking out because I'm like, get your pajamas on, brush your teeth. Like, why aren't you listening (laughs) to me? Uh, And they just were messing around. And then it just, I'm fight. we're fighting. I'm yelling at them. And then I'm pissed at them and I'm embarrassed to even say that but I'm pissed by the time they go to bed I'm like good night like peace out I'm like out of here then they go to bed I, they fall asleep I do a little more studying and of course every night before I go to bed I check on them 
And they're just these beautiful little beings mm. sleeping in their bed. And I'm like, I suck as a mm. mom. These guys are were just having fun. They, you know, and here I am. I barely make it home for an hour to hang out with them. And I like yell at them. Yeah. And, and piss at them by the time they're going to bed. And I was just like, that guilt, like those types, those are just some examples. I'm like, that guilt just like was so hard yeah. um, for me. That's um, that's real life parenting right there, though. Yeah, yeah you it can't, was. You can't predict something like that's going to go down, but man, you can no. sure feel guilty about it on the back end. Oh, for sure. And we had this like motto in school. It was like, shoot and move, shoot and move. Like, don't think too much about it. Just keep going. And I had to not only do that with anesthesia, but I had to do that like at home sometimes too. Um, and another challenge, like even just like, I guess this isn't a parenting thing, but um, it was like... Well, it is. I mean, I, wait. So, yeah. what was the question again? Things the to challenge. <laughs> well, I thought it was yeah, challenges. Wasn't it challenges? I, I I do want to ask you about like how did you prepare as a family? You know, before Lynn went to anesthesia school, but yeah, just just the challenges that you faced and like what you found hard about being parents during this time. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, as far as the challenges go, I mean, for me, it was taking on the role, I mean, I was single parenting, but I didn't get that, that weekend when the kids go to the other parents house, <laughs> like, you know, of the, of the yeah. divorce days where it's like, okay, well you got the kids for this week. And then I got on the next week. It was like, no, you just got them every week. Wow. So like that whole thing was just nuts as far as like trying to maintain um, the household yeah. working in grocery meals, lunches for school. Oh, like all of it, cleaning up the leaves, picking up and the house, yeah. like everything. But then, you know, unfortunately for us, we decided to do it in the middle of the pandemic. Of course, we didn't choose that it happened. Um, and that just threw a huge curveball for us because, then it turned into, because the whole plan was like, I'm work, you know, three days a week. I was going to have those two extra days to like finally take care of things when a they year in into school. this, right? Like a year into Lynn being gone. But then the pandemic hit and suddenly the kids were not going to be gone at school on Mondays right. and Fridays. They were going to be home with me. Homeschooling. So, yeah, ho yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but we were homeschooling an additional other set other of children too. And they're all in the Spanish immersion program. So Nate, who's like... Not a teacher, doesn't know Spanish. French student of the year. <laughs> <but not laughs> trying year. to teach homeschool four kids with Spanish homework. You, you yeah. were the you were the French student of the year, Nate. That's correct, John. Yeah, nineteen ninety five. And in nineteen ninety five. And now <laughs> pandemic style, you're teaching Spanish to not only your two boys, but other people's kids. Yeah. Right. Right. Cool. Uh, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it was it was no. nuts. I mean, so many days where I'm like I mean, I was literally counting down. I remember I have 18 more of these homeschooled. Like, just like, how am I ever going to make it through all this? Like, so th this puts it into perspective of why, like, right after boards, you were like, see ya, bye, going camping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Oh, my goodness. So did you maintain this essentially like child therapy practice during this time? I did. Yeah. I, uh, the only thing that I did differently was, uh, I mean, during the pandemic, I had to go to all telehealth sessions, but, um, 
Yeah, I maintained it those three days. I cut my hours a little bit, um, just shaved off the later day, uh, the later sessions. So I, I cut down by maybe three sessions a week. Um, but yeah, I did. But a lot of, over the years, ever since, and I know we'll talk about this in a little bit, but ever since our older child had some kind of health issues, um, he's kind of weaned himself a little bit off more of the child age group and is taking on more like teen and up age yeah. group. Um, but yeah. he definitely still maintained like a full schedule with therapy. Right. Um, yeah. But the kid age group was getting a little too much because he was dealing with that at work and then dealing with it at home. And it was, it was just too much. But. Yeah. My kids were kind of losing out on my, my plane and hanging yeah. out. So. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. So you have a child with pandas which we've talked yeah. about offline before, but will you talk a little bit about what that is and how maybe what that meant baseline for you and your son? And then also how maybe, uh, I mean, there's so much, but like the pandemic and anesthesia school and all of that kind of changed the paradigm a little bit for you as a family. Yeah. Yeah. So the pandas thing, I mean, it's a, it's a fairly newer diagnosis. It's probably about 20 years old. It's still, uh, questioned by some medical professionals, but it's basically you've got some sort of uh, either virus or, in our son's case, strep and uh, Lyme disease and mold allergy. So it can be anything that would cause some sort of inflammation, basically. Uh, the brain. Right. So you've got an inflammation of the brain. And so I, I started working with it in my practice. And the difference that you see is you've got your kid with depression You've got your kid with anxiety. Maybe the two of those overlap. Maybe you've got a kid with ADHD. Maybe you've got some behavioral problems. Maybe you've got this. Maybe you've got that. But never do you see a kid that comes in with all of them. They've got the bedwetting. They've got the difficulty sleeping. They've got the anxiety. They've got separation anxiety. They've got OCD. They've got tics going on. They've got rages going on. They've got anxiety going on. They've got depression going on. They've got ADHD going on. They've got yeah. uh, difficulties with writing. They've got all these certain idiosyncratic little things that are specific to them. And it's all based on this inflammation in the brain. And so it took us a little bit to find the right people and to figure it all out. But once we started treating it properly, that came down. So really, by the time Lynn went into grad school, we were at a pretty good place. But pandas also know, well, there's a, the other version is pans, which is where the lime is. Pandas is more the strep. Um, when Lynn went into grad school, we had it in a good place, but you always have um, flares and sort of, you know, kids going back into um episodes if you will the flares tend to be pretty minor but we had some pretty good ones along the yeah way so when it, so our son has whenever he gets strapped he, he starts to get ocd like these symptoms that if you try to break it he goes into these rageful fits um or if he's exposed to mold um and he has lyme disease so all these things were kind of causing like ticks ocd rage and stuff so like Nate said, we got with the right doctors and we were able to, um, with an osteopathic doctor, like with homeopathic, um, in like, um, tinctures and all this stuff, herbs, herbs and stuff. We were able to like really kind of, um, help him. So by the time I went into school, a lot of this was, and we had to do a full gluten-free and dairy-free for a while, but then it just progressed to a gluten-free diet. 
um, which we've done for the last three years. Um, and that kind of just got him into a good place. And we had, I had just started school and that was one of the fears is like, well, oh my God, is, is, is he going to get strep this year? And then he's going to go off the deep end, like with the OCD, like we just didn't know what was going to happen. And honestly, COVID, I will say that to our benefit, because our kids were home so much, actually Hawk never got strep last. It was the first winter Hawk never got strep. And that's one of his triggers. So to COVID benefit, keeping him home all last winter was beneficial in that aspect. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so this was- this did, I mean, him having this disorder, these behavioral issues, I mean, that, that, that I'm sure that played into your decision to undertake this immensely stressful thing on your family. I mean, of course, like you can't plan for the pandemic. You didn't know that was going on before you entered uh-huh. anesthesia school, but going to anesthesia school, this, this was on your mind. Like how, how is this going to stress our family? Oh, for sure. Well, number one, like I said in the beginning, like we were, we literally took out another home, like, or like a, um, some sort of loan because we had to do mold remediation. Uh, and we started to pay like hundreds of dollars a month for like medication. We were paying for lab work up front. So we like, were trying to dish out all this money. And I was like, where are we going to get all this money? We're living paycheck to paycheck as a nurse. Um, so that was a drive, you know, financially to this path because we could, we knew that we could better help him in any way that he needed. We could financially support him. Um, but it was definitely a fear of mine. Cause I was like, if you're single parenting and he has spends a whole winter in these flares, like what the heck's going to happen? Cause like, am I going to be able to right. help you? Like, am I going to be traveling two months away and not even present? You know, like, so we, for me, it was a fear. I don't know. Was it so much for you? No, I, I don't think it was for Nate, but it was for me. I was, I was, I was freaked out about it. Hmm. Uh, Nate, how did, how did you feel about it, Nate? But prior to school making I, this decision? Yeah. I mean, we, wait, what was your question? Like, how, how did you feel about it in terms of making the decision for Lynn to go to anesthesia school? I mean, were you stressed about it? Was it a concern for you in terms of the stress it would uh, bring to your son or your family? Uh, yeah, but he was in a pretty good place and I knew what we would be dealing with is more these flares as opposed to like a constant. So when this first hit us for like the first year or so, it was like, all the time and really intense and so if we say that at that point it was at a 10 he was at like a zero to a one maybe a two by the time she was going to grad school so I knew that there was going to be these flares but we knew how to sort of deal with them medically and we just knew how to deal with them behaviorally and that they were going to be short term because at this point they would last one to two weeks and I mean I got a new boat that's about to be built, John. So it was like, you know, <laughs> through this right. and I'm going to have a boat at the end. So I'm going to do whatever I can. If I got to deal with some players or whatever, I'm doing it. What what kind of boat? A uh, Boston Whaler Montauk 170. Nice. How big is that for, for this is, listeners? Uh, 17 foot, four inches, and it's the perfect boat around here. We're going to be doing our island camping, our fishing, our lobstering. The boys are so stoked. Uh, the boat that we have right now is a little 16 foot, and you know, there's only a foot and a half difference, but a much bigger boat that we're getting into. Yeah. 
of course stable and we go out and we get rocked in this little skiff and we are so excited to be and in a can actual boat the <laughs> unthinkable legend as it's called the Nate- unthinkable legend unsinkable unsinkable wait that's the name of your boat or that's what this style of boat is known as the Boston Whaler is marketed as the unsinkable legend. So wow. is the Titanic, by the way. That's right. But yeah. they, they, I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> the way that they construct it, it is filled with foam. It's literally they've literally, John, cut these boats in half and drive them up the East Coast. That's wow. how unsinkable they are. Yeah. Uh, what? And and since I brought it up, what's the name of your boat? It is going to be the Ozhawk Three. The Oz Hawk Three after your kids' names, Ozzy and Hawk, and yeah. this is our third boat, so it's the third. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yep. Well, that's quite the story, y'all. And uh, Lynn, I love what you were saying. I mean, just to be candid about the finances, because I think so many parents stress about going back to school uh, for for whatever, not just anesthesia school, but just going back to continue your education, but the fact that you saw that as a motivator to say, you know, going to anesthesia school is going to put me in a position where I can better take care of my family, where I can better take care of the needs of my children. And yes, there may be this period of time that's especially stressful on my family, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a literal financial payoff that is going to be worth it. I think that's I think that's important just to recognize and talk about. And I think that when we were looking at it from that point, it was like, not only can we take care of our kids and their medical issues, but we can now take them skiing. We can take them traveling. We can, you know, get a boat that's much safer. We can, you know, provide for them. We can put into their school funds. Now, you know, prepare, prepare for our retirement. We just saw so many financial like benefits that we were like, the as much of a sacrifice is this is going to be, yeah. yeah, it's worth it. And that's where I was with Hawk and the Pandas. I was like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, I can handle this two and a half years. I got it. We're going to push through. Yeah. And it did. That's so Here. good. And and just to reiterate for folks, for both of you, it's not like you're at the beginning of your careers. I mean, you, you have been professionals for a long time. And, and Lynn, specifically, since you're the one that went back to anesthesia school, you had been a nurse for 20 years. and. Oh so just to bring that home for folks, I mean, how yeah. many how many more years do you think you will work as a CRNA? I mean, what's your what's your career estimation? You think? I At mean, least I, fifty to pay no. off. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and no, you I might mean, get a bigger boat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's why he wants to work more. No, I mean, I guess I foresee myself definitely working to like sixty five. I mean, I the CRNAs that I meet love their job and they work to forever. Like I feel like everyone works because it's such a good work-life balance. They have a way to like have a great life and still work like later in life. And I think it gives them a lot of pleasure and just um, confidence and self, you know, self-confidence. So, I mean, I definitely, you know, if I'm 44 now, I'm going to be in this for at least another 20 something years. Yeah. So, it's worth it. Yeah. And, and just to hammer that home at um, a podcast on parenting, I think that that's, it's such a big decision for people who are already parents to think about, can I take this time? Can I take the financial hit for my family yep. to take out yep. loans, to get a second mortgage, to figure this out? Can I put this extra 
burden on my partner to be the primary, if not kind of the, the, you know, for all intents and purposes, the, the sole parent for two and a half Mm -hmm. years, can we endure this as a family, this stress to get through it on the other side? And then, and then for you, especially, which I think is so interesting is that you had been a nurse for two decades and you're making this decision to go, you know, I still have 20 years of work left Right. Uh, as a friend put it to me, you know, if you could, you know, I was a, I was an outdoor guide, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with a, with an undergraduate in outdoor adventure leadership. And, you know, he, mm-hmm. so I had no healthcare experience and right. a buddy of mine was a CRNA and said, you know, if you can take it on the chin and get your BSN, get your ICU experience, go back yeah. and get your graduate degree, which will now be a, a DNP for those who are going back, yeah. you know, that might be. Uh, obviously a several year process, you know, five years or whatever, but the next 20 to 30 years of your career will look profoundly oh, different. Oh yeah. And it was worth it because honestly, well, two things to that. Number one, to, in order to go back to school, like when I went to school and this is where the old lady comes out, but I didn't even have a cell phone. <laughs> mm. There was no laptops. Like I barely, I had to walk to the library to get to email. Like you're talking school. about nursing school. You're talking about an undergrad nursing school. Yeah. Like, so to go to school now and like everyone has, I, I was like iPad. Why? Like I was like, I didn't even, I barely even had an iPhone, like barely like a year into it. And I was like, cause I loved my flip phone. So I was, I'm not a techie person. So I was like, can I go back to school and be a techie? Like, can I, I don't know. Like it just seemed so foreign to me that I was like so scared. Um, but then to add to that, like, and do I want to spend another 20 years at bedside nursing? I had friends that I was working with that were getting wrist surgery, back surgery, and another wrist surgery. Like someone had to get a second wrist. Like people were getting, starting to get injuries because you can only lift heavy patients for so long. Yeah without getting injuries. And I was like, is this what I want to do for the next 20 something years of my career? Um, you know, you don't always think that far ahead, but, um, I loved it for the first 20 years. And I was like, am I going to really love it for the next 20? Or am I going to be that grumpy old nurse that, you know, got stuck just doing what she was tired of doing? So I just really had to rethink all that. And I definitely made the right move. It was scary, but it was definitely the right move. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I remember being in ICU. I spent about five years in a med surge ICU in Asheville, North Carolina. And there were people there that I that I loved that were amazing, that were incredibly supportive of, of me and yeah. my profession. But, you know, they had been doing that particular job in that yeah. med surge ICU for longer than I had been alive. Yep. And we're rocking into their mid to late sixties before they yeah. were retiring. And I looked at that and I said, there's no way that I, like, I, I love that crew. There's something about like that group of people in that area, the kinds of patients we took care of. It was phenomenal. It was like, I don't know. You look back on it. It was just, I mean, the staff has all changed now and everything, but like when we were there, it was so much fun and yeah. so good. Yeah. But even, even in that moment, I was like, can't do this for 30 years. Can't do this for 35, 40 years. Like, go yeah. like I put my time in, did about five years going back to grad school, doing yeah. something different. I, I loved and respected everyone I worked with. And so I, I mean, if you, if you ask the people that I used to work with, I had more days than not towards the end that I was crying. Like, should I do this? And I went to people that were older than me that had been nurses 
like longer than me. And I asked them like, what would you do? And I had many people tell me, you know what? I wish I had done it, but I missed my window. Um, so I felt thankful for those people that were honest with me and that, you know, that, that I should do it, you know, that yeah. yes, it's scary, but in hindsight, they regretted not doing it so that, and I, I was like, I don't want that to be me. Um, so I appreciated them, um, and their input. Um, I had so much support, so much support. That's awesome. Well, again, I just, I'm so stoked to catch this conversation with you the week after you pass boards and to be <laughs> like right on the fresh end of finishing this, uh, chapter of your life. So let's, let's talk about to, to kind of come back to the parenting side of things. The last three years has been incredibly difficult for you both for all of the reasons that we've already talked about. Uh, mm -hmm. So what ways did you find you were able to support each other? You, you had this feeling that Lynn, even when she was home, she wasn't fully present, but what ways as partners, as husband and wife, as co-parents, did you find ways to support each other that were really helpful? Well, I can just say I found what wasn't helpful, which <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's start with that. <laughs> was uh, trying to tell Lynn how to study and how much she needed to study in oh, the beginning. Oh, God, yeah. Interesting. Smack, like, smack. Don't you really want to spend, like, at least the morning with us on a Saturday? Do you really need to study that much for that? I mean, uh, so I quickly learned, John, that I needed to be uh, a pod of three. Me and the two boys are doing our thing. And whatever Lynn needs to do, she just needs to do it. So we, right from the get-go, which was a really difficult thing, yeah. but just sort of like separated and not rely on Lynn, not see if she wants to be involved, not anything. She'll join us if she can, but just that expectation that it's just going to be the three of us and Lynn will kind of dip in and dip out. And I think that that was supportive because in the beginning I, I think it was probably weighing a little bit on her when I was like, mm -hmm. are you sure you need to be yeah. studying that much for that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, w which is such a good thing to say, Nate. Uh, it's amazing for you to have that insight at, at that time. Were you like, this is a great way for me to be supportive of Lynn to kind of give her that space. Or did you go through your own uh, phase or process of going man, I really want Lynn to come hang out with us. Like wh why? Like she, does, she really doesn't need to study that much. Like, cause I think that's a, that's a chronic thing for partners to realize is like, oh wow, this is actually all consuming for the person who's in grad school. Right. Yeah. I totally, I mean, that process probably was like a three month process for me to come to that realization and to kind of, because I mean, I had been through grad school, right. But it was different and I wasn't studying a science. Um, and, and we Lynn didn't have two kids. Well, I didn't have two kids. And Lynn's just a much nerdier student than I was. <laughs> yes, like I am. she Thank was like, much. I'm getting straight A's and I'm going to eat. So she was like striving for it. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, it took a while for me to get to that realization. So it was kind of a mix of like my own stuff and then just like what she really needed. Because when I, you know, when I tried to take that approach, it really just didn't help anything out. So, well, I think that I think that is important to mention though is that you have gone through your own graduate program and Lynn, there, you know, one of your co students who were also on. I'd so I'm I'm so stoked to have spoken with both of your families, but, uh, Robert and Jenny Montague came on oh. and 
sure. talked about, uh, you know, going through grad school as a family, as partners in that whole process. And so, uh, so Jenny had gone to grad school to be a registered dietitian. And so I think that's, I think that's interesting, Nate, that you bring that up because you do kind of have your own, like, well, grad school wasn't maybe that all consuming for me. So yeah. And I was like 20 something right? (laughs) living in San Diego. Right. you know, it, it was, it was very different. And I think even just, and I wrote all your papers, right? Whoa. <laughs> well, let's, yeah. Well, I don't know about that. All right, I but, like, <laughs> you know, I wasn't a good person. Um, That's awesome. I think, um, that was, uh, yeah. Anyways. So, so what other ways? So, th- so of course that's profoundly amazing way to support your partner. It's just to go, okay, look, like whatever you need to do, you need to do. And the family pot is over here if and when you can join us, but I'm going to take, I'm going to hold the family down. I'm going to hold the fort down. That's probably, I don't know if I had to throw it out there. That's probably one of the the biggest ways to be supportive as the parent who's not in grad school. Um, Lynn, what would you say to that? Or, or what other ways have you, yeah. did you find to support each other? Wait, can I just add one more yeah, thing? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> The other thing that I did, which I don't think was the most healthiest during this time, was that I just put on this facade of like everything is okay. So even though I was boiling and like ready to give up on the inside, Lynn would come in and be like, yeah, everything's great. Oh, you need a shoulder to cry on? Sure. Do you need anything else? And then she'd go back to study and I'd be like, oh my God, am I going to last another minute? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely tried to just like keep it together. For the kids, for Lynn, for everybody, and just be like, I, you know, a rock, I wow. guess. Um, and yeah. I don't know, I did an okay job with it, but um, just trying to be there for whoever needed it. Wow. Yeah. Well, I remember yeah. Lynn definitely bragging about you, Nate, uh, uh-huh. and how, how much of a rock you were, I think, uh, in, in taking care of your kids. Yeah, it was yeah. all a facade, John. It was all <laughs> I mean, it was a facade maybe that you were like, everything was great, but it wasn't a facade that you did it and you did it well. And that I think the biggest challenge was that COVID was happening too. So Mm. Nate worked really hard. So I'm in school and then we're in the minute of a pandemic and Nate in particular worked really hard to have our kids live the most normal life that they could have. Um, so that they were the most unaffected by all of it. Wow. And weren't, if you, I mean, yeah, there's some hiccups, you know, like, uh, and yeah, Hawk had some flares, but for the most part, they lived life to their greatest extent. And Nate had a big part in that. Um, well then that had to make you feel like, I don't know, some degree of weight off of your shoulders as a mom, for me, who I'm yeah. sure knowing you wants the yeah. best for her kids, wants right. to have a healthy relationship with her husband. Yes. yes. Like what a huge weight off of your shoulders to be like, yeah. I know my kids are in a good place. Absolutely. And then, you know, and then, you know, in talking to Nate later and more recently, like it was hard for him. It was a lot of it was a facade, which I didn't know, but at the same time, he did a good job. Like, and I think he's still like, you know, yeah, I mean, coming I, to terms with that, but it was, it was really hard. It was harder than I, I knew or harder than I thought for him at the time, but he really did do a good job. So I think it's just hard to really see 
the benefit of that because the, again, the kids were really unaffected by yeah. a lot of it. And, and maybe facade is a strong word. Like yeah. fake it till you make it. Yeah. Positive psychology. Like yeah. it was just we're going to do this. Let's keep hard. pushing through. Yeah. Got a Montauk on the way. Right. Exactly. That's what she's saying. <laughs> the boat's coming. You'll be happy then. That's um, awesome. What, yeah. what would you all have changed the last few years? And, and maybe you've not had time to think or reflect or talk about that. And, you know, and so maybe in some ways I don't want to pry, but, or put you on the spot, but looking back, are there, are there things that you would have changed or, or maybe another way to phrase it is like, if you were going to give advice to families who were starting out with kids you know, getting into anesthesia school, would you say, Hey, be sure you do this because man, if we did that, maybe it would have been different. I got a couple. Um, one, if I could change anything and go back, I mean, I guess it's two part question. One is what, what could maybe we change? And then the other one is how would I prep for it differently? Um, but if I could change, I probably would have taken the kids somewhere for like, part of COVID. Like I've got a buddy in Hawaii. We could have put a tent up in his backyard. I was working remotely. The kids were working remotely. Like shoot, go to New Zealand. There was no COVID going on there, but maybe doing something like that, I think would have been good for stress relief. Um, of course we were broke at the time, so that wouldn't have been possible, but, uh, but, but as far as like the prepping thing, I think, or, or, you know, I would have gotten surgery on my carpal tunnel uh, and gotten that taken care of. So random. Yeah. Like any, <laughs> any health issues that are going on, yeah. like get those out of the way. Um, is, is that I, something that you plan to do in the next year or two? Yeah. Nate? Once insurance hits, I'm getting my carpal tunnel fixed. Wow. Got really bad during that time, but I, I, a, I didn't have the time B we didn't have great insurance. So I didn't know what kind of doctor I was going to be getting. You mean, um, dur- you mean right now? Or during yeah, school. Yeah, during yeah. while you were in school. So I just think in general, like trying to get any kind of like health issues that you might have going on taken care of, developing an awesome like exercise routine, uh, having all your like coping skills down, yeah. all your social supports. Um, and I think talking to, or geez, listening to your podcast, John, like yeah, getting some seriously. insight from. Yeah parents who've already been through it um to kind of prep through that Mm -hmm. um and i would say having a giant savings because we (laughs) we definitely blew through everything and then some i mean we're literally on like credit cards starting starting like in a couple of days yeah Uh, and and i'm only laughing because like who wouldn't benefit from like giant savings. I'm the same way. I, we, I slid across home plate broke and like funding stuff on credit cards. Yeah. Like as soon as I, I mean, within the literal week of passing boards, I was back teaching as an outdoor guide because I had no money. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't have time. Like like, people that I was in school with were taking vacations. They were going to Europe. They were going to Hawaii. They were chilling. I was working because I had no, I like, I literally could not go to the grocery store. I needed a paycheck. And so I went back to teach some outdoor ed course, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So, so Nate, all of those things. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, it, I, I also, I want to highlight real quick, just the whole, like having an exercise routine, having coping mechanisms. Like yeah. 
I I would also say I was not like I was in I was in reasonable shape getting into anesthesia school. I met my wife Kristen in school, and we we got in better shape. We got in great shape in anesthesia school, and that was something that we found that was really actually helpful. As nerdy as it sounds, like having your body in mm-hmm. good physical shape, like and it doesn't mean you're you know. Uh, you know, a CrossFit athlete, an endurance athlete, oh, a supermodel, yeah. but just like eating well, getting yeah, enough yeah. sleep, getting yeah. 20, 30 minutes of exercise to clear your yeah. brain and get some positive yeah. endorphins. Like that routine, like taking care of your body helps you get through stressful times. Yeah. I always think of the, what I call the four pillars in my practice, John, good sleep, uh, clean eating, exercising regularly and drinking plenty of water. Like yeah. you got to hit those four important things before you move on to anything else. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. So good sleep, yeah. clean eating, exercising regularly and drinking plenty of water. You got it. Well, free therapy session right there, folks. <laughs> That's so good. I would endorse all of those things. When I'm hitting those four things consistently, I am feeling better with my life for sure. And eating is like, I, I had a, I had a CRNA friend the other day we we're sitting around talking about, he's been, he's been riding into work consistently on his bicycle and wondering why, you know, he's not feeling better and stuff, but he's not changed any of his nutrition habits and yeah. which Dude. include a fair bit of high gravity IPAs on a regular basis, you know? Yeah. And it's not that you can't enjoy those things, but like, yeah. When you change your nutrition, it's monumental how much that helps. And when you're stressed, people drink more caffeine and it's actually, you need the opposite. Like if you're totally. more stressed, you actually need less caffeine yep. and more water. More so. IPAs? Oh, more water. Okay. <laughs> yeah, more IPAs. Not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would say also just on the stress thing, like, or just preparing for school, like I would say for us, we did a lot of marital counseling um, beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to get rid of a lot of like old issues that we were kind of holding on to. Um, and we needed to really get on the same team because, you know, the divorce rate during anesthesia school is, is pretty high. Um, and you know, we definitely had some moments that we were like, Oh God, like I almost pushed one eight hundred divorce. Yeah, fast divorce. <laughs> like, it's an ongoing joke when we lived in California, they had this like this, the billboard that'd be like one eight hundred fast divorce. So we literally would put it in our phone and we'd be like kind of kidding, but we'd be like, I'll put I'll push the button. Pushing I'll push the button. I'll push oh the my button goodness. To fast divorce. But um <laughs> like it's it's hard. Like we definitely have had some of our lowest moments as a married like a married couple during anesthesia school. Really? So like it's Oh yeah. It's definitely real, but marriage counseling helped us to get rid of old stuff for the most part. It taught us how to communicate, like over communicate in a sense. It taught us to like fight about things in the moment and not bring up old things, you know, just taught us a lot of coping skills that we kind of really had to hold on to. Um, and we both kind of vowed that during COVID and during anesthesia school, we wouldn't make any big decisions, <laughs> you know, because you wouldn't push one 800 divorce. We wouldn't exactly fast divorce. Yeah. So you know, I think that definitely helped us and we definitely struggled parent wise, marriage wise during school. But I think that set us, you know, a, a, a good baseline for us. Yeah. Um, now did you plan to, 
like, was marriage therapy something you were like, wow, we need to get this in order because I'm going to grad school? Or were you just like, wow, we need to have marriage therapy because we need marriage counseling? We started that before we well, were married. Well, we did start that before, but... You said before you got married, Nate? Well, yeah. well, well, yeah. The preface was that was that I wanted to do some sort of, like, premarital counseling that they do in, like, the churches, but... Yeah. We were trying to find an avenue to do that, but not through a church. So we did do some premarital counseling. Um, but we've always been one or uh, one couple that is really passionate about staying married. We're both products of divorce, and we felt very strongly about, you know, our marriage and having a good one, not just getting by. Um, so we going, you know, when we started talking about school, we both agreed that like, well, we need to work on some stuff. So. Um, and it was good because even still we say all this stuff, but you know, did we kind of, like Nate said, it was him and the boys. And then there was me and we did, de- we felt the effects of that. You know, like, I mean, one of the jokes is like, after I finished my last night of clinical, he's still like watching shows at night and I'm sitting on the couch having a drink by myself, like watching him. <laughs> and I'm like, looking over at her like, is she doing work? What's, why is she not doing anything? Yeah. Is she supposed to be doing something? And I was doing nothing. I, was, I had no, like no more clinicals, like done. And I'm just sitting over there just by myself, like watching him watch a show. And he's like, clearly we need to restructure our nights because like over the last two and a half years, we just did our separate thing at night. And now here I was with nothing to do, trying to rejoin. But I was like, I don't know what to say to him. I don't know what to do. Oh, you're that's in, so interesting. You're doing your nightly thing, which right. was fine. But now I don't have a nightly thing anymore. I'm not doing care plans. I'm not doing... So, so this reintegration back into marriage, back into parenting, like having me be a parent again, the boys are like, what the heck? Like, we can't just watch shows when we want yeah, to. all of a sudden we got to use a sudden, fork to serve the green yeah. beans. <laughs> exactly. What the hell, <laughs> Uh, fingers exactly so there's a lot of like i gotta wear shorts (laughs) why can't i wear my 40 sandals oh Oh my my gosh yeah so there's a lot of reintegration so we definitely had two separate lives over the last two and a half years which was fine it we survived and it was what needed to be but now we're reintegrating and it's a big change for all but it's been i mean it's It's been slow too so John, we've had like, I think probably four weeks maybe since you've ended of like slow sort of integration where Lynn will be here for a bit. And then she's like, all of a sudden now she's studying for boards or, you know, so it's been this nice slow integration, but it has been a big shift for all of us to actually be done too. That's been a a struggle. And as they say, more money, more problems. So (laughs) (laughs) back to therapy. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I'm so glad to catch you all at this moment. It's so fascinating to hear these stories. Yeah, Lynn, that's so good to be like, yeah, I'm done with clinical, so I'm just gonna sit on the couch and like watch yeah. watch you watch the watch. show because exactly. I don't I don't know what else to do, and exactly. and I also don't know how to like have a conversation with you because I've just been so hooked up to the anesthesia school machine the last yeah. three years. Oh, that's so good. That's so real life. Um, it's so interesting. So th- there, yeah. Let me just say, marriage counseling so good. And yeah. there's so much that I just want to like highlight exclamation mark uh, about your all's lives. Nate Lynn would brag about you in clinical and be like, he's a he's like a child therapist. 
it's not fair. He always says the right things. Yeah, it's like so he's he's yeah. You're like he's it's so annoying because he's always like on the yeah. kids perfect level has exactly what they need. Never loses his temper. Like she bragged about you hardcore in a way that is. I'm going to take her word for it, probably deserving because you are this professional like child therapist. Uh, but given that professional background in your marriage, you both find counseling to be really helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. It's awesome. Yeah. You just have this third person that I don't know for me, it's like he would talk to the therapist about his issues with me. And like, instead of him directing his issues at me, he was talking about them in a sense to a third person. And it's like, I could almost hear them better because he wasn't directing it at me. So I, it opened my mind up to like, Oh, I think I kind of hear what you're saying. It really um, opens up the ability because, to be more empathic yeah. and less defensive. Yeah. And you hear it going through. Yeah. It, it sort of deadens it a little bit, you know? Yeah. Softens it a little bit by the time it reaches over to you. Cause yeah. it's already gone through somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's so good. I think that therapy is just it's uh it's stigmatized in our society where people want to do anything but that, but it's often the thing that I think could help people the most. Um and I don't yeah. talk about it much on the podcast, but I mean I I went through a divorce in the first six months of anesthesia school. And so yes, I say I met my wife in anesthesia school. It's true. I met yeah. my wife in anesthesia school. Um, she wasn't my first wife. I was married for, you know, almost nine years prior to anesthesia school and had a relationship that was not healthy going into anesthesia school. And unfortunately, it didn't survive. And and I base I pretty much don't talk about that just out of respect for my ex to not, you know, say things yeah. unilaterally that she wouldn't have the opportunity to weigh in on. But, but from my perspective, um, I think having marriage counseling, which I, which we tried a little bit at my first relationship, it was helpful and, and, and can be so helpful. And, and, uh, Kristen and I have, have had a marriage counselor to, you know, just talk through things. And, and so often we feel like she's more of a friend that we can just, you know, that also just holds our feet to the fire and we're, we're real with. But I think the point of the matter is like the stigma around it is so unfounded and, and Mm -hmm. anesthesia school, which we've been talking about, you know, for the last hour is, is such a crucible for, relationships for marriages for co-parents for families and having that outlet having a connection to outside help even in the program even when you think there's no way that we could afford this you know so many universities offer at least a handful of free counseling sessions that you can go through mm-hmm. or discounted counseling sessions so uh it to me, I think the stigma comes from people, I don't know, uh, and maybe as a therapist, maybe you can speak to it better than I can, but I think people are just have a really hard time being vulnerable around those kinds of personal issues. Uh, but I think in that vulnerability, people can find so much strength when they, when they can find someone just to weigh in and help them have conversations in an easier kind of context. Totally. And it's, I I think the number one thing that I find is that oftentimes people are coming to me too late 
Yeah. And the reason is, is that it's, there's that stigma, but it's work. It's work. It's work it's and it's uncomfortable. It's yeah. awkward. They've mm-hmm. got to like put themselves in this position. Yeah. So it's like, it's like starting the exercise routine and getting healthy times 10. Yeah. Because not only is it work, but you've got to like put yourself out there. You've got to like be in this uncomfortable situation with this stranger right off the bat and just open right up. So it's, it's hard, but I think for most people, um, once they get the ball rolling, it's awesome. Well, it's so like, good. I mean, I feel like for most people, you get the ball rolling and it gets, it's harder number at first mm-hmm. because you're getting everything out there. Yep. But then once everything's out there and you start working through it, then it's better. Right. Because you're starting to work it's through it. Like it's just like starting hard. to work out. Hard. It's like in the beginning, you're out of yeah. shape. And you're like, oh my God, yeah. I don't want to do this. Right, you dread it. And then once you're in shape and you're in it, you're like, man, I can't miss a day. I feel right. so good. I yeah, don't want to miss this. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It really gives you that context. Like, it, yeah, it's a that's a great metaphor or analogy to put out there. It's like, it's so uncomfortable right off the bat. And then you kind of build those muscles a little bit. And then you're like, I want more of that. Like this. Yeah. And I think the therapy, it gives you a context to diffuse those conversations. Lynn, you put it so well to be like, I could, I could hear what he was saying better because he's not saying it at me or to me, but he's talking to this third person and you just get to hear someone else's views. And I mean, therapists are, uh, my my experience are pretty good about like hearing both people's point of views and helping reframe that to the, like those sticking points where you're like, they can see that like defensiveness is one of those classic things in a relationship that can be really problematic and it's so easy to be like but she or but he and that that independent professional trained set of ears and you know this knowledgeable other person can be that sounding board to put things in context and and frame them back to the other person in the relationship and it can just be so it's so helpful it's like yeah. It's like having a car that's not running well and being like, well, I'm not going to take that to the body shop. Why would I ever take that to a mechanic? I can't take that right. to a mechanic. Right. No, 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 like you should go to a mechanic and like. Right. A professional it, that knows what they're doing and yeah. they can fix it. It's actually going to get better. Right. It is going to get better. I think that, oh, another misnomer of therapy though is that, um, and I've definitely thought this, like that they're going to fix the other person. Mm. Like, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that when you go into therapy, it means that you personally have to do work. Like, mm. They're not just going to fix the other person. Like you kind of have to start. They won't fix anybody. Well, they don't fix anyone. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's the guide for you fixing yourself. For you fixing yourself. Right. So you have to go into it with an open mind, being like, am I willing to like make changes and compromise into this, you know, relationship? So Nate, Nate, that was some Yoda level stuff, man. (laughs) (laughs) They don't fix anyone. You fix yourself. That's right. (laughs) That was good. Uh, Lynn, I completely agree. One of the things that we have been working through recently is that I'm like super laissez-faire. So we have a three month old and I'm just so laissez, like when Kristen goes to work and it's daddy daycare, I'm just like, whatever, it's daddy daycare, you know? And, and initially she would come home and be like, well, when's the last time he fed? How much did he yeah. eat? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I oh fed- no, there is such a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so I have found out, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, kids, kids, fine. Like everything's Are cool, right? We got like reggae music on in the background. 
I'm like, everything's fine. And it was really hard for me to meet her where she needed me to be. But having this context of therapy helped me see like, this is a, this is a personal point of ownership for me to recognize that there's like a point of friction and like, actually, if I change my behavior, things can get better. And this other person and what they're needing from me, even though it's a different style, like it's not too much for me to keep track of when the naps were, how much he ate. And like, so I like it, like I was, even though, you know, um, we've had this kid for a few months, we've been in therapy for months. It took me still a few weeks to get around to be like begrudgingly like, okay, let's like, so we bought a, like a, uh, like a paper hourly weekly calendar that you would yeah. for, to like plan your college life if you're writing things oh, yeah. down and you know yeah. you're, you're old like we are and you don't just use an app yeah, but like exactly. but like but like writing things down on a sheet of paper has been um in this yeah. you know spiral bound calendar has been way easier for me than like trying to remember to log onto my phone while I'm bouncing the baby and like type with both hands I can just scribble yeah. down like the calendar hourly is already written out and I can say the nap was 45 minutes. He had four ounces. And then when she comes home, she can just see that. And it's like, solve that issue for us, you know? Exactly. And it's, it's such a, you know, I know that you're so new to this, but exactly what you are saying right now is the premise of like parenthood is, you know, it's one thing when it's just the two of you, like having life as a couple, you're like, Ooh, whatever you're your way. I'm my way. It's cool. But then you have this third person that like, for the rest of your son's life, like you guys have to be on the same parenting team. And it's like, and it starts with like the schedules of nap and feeding and diapers. And it's really a big change. And it's an eye opener to like, learn like, Oh, Oh, like who's going to compromise and where, because we do have to learn to be on the same page. And it's really hard when you have different like opinions on like what's important or what, you know, what's not important. Um, so, you know, what you're saying right now is like exactly to a different scale of what we've had to like kind of manage over the last mm. couple of, you know, the couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a big, it's a big compromise. It's a big change. Um, yeah, totally. But, yeah. It's so good. And and we have, I mean, we both have compromised towards each other and, and we figure a way out, but I think that you know, figure a way to be functional. But I I think that, uh, you know, finding those ways where you can compromise, finding those ways where you can get on the same page, Mm -hmm. where you can support each other, like we were talking about earlier. And then, you know, I I really do believe that like having gone, having this relationship with a therapist has, has really profoundly helped us even when we're not having those sessions, like we, we don't have them that often, you know, um, just with our schedules and stuff, but it's kind of that third person is always there with you. You're like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like what would, what would so-and-so think about it? Like, yeah. what, how would, how would we frame this in a conversation? Yeah. And so it helps you pump the brakes a little bit and go, maybe I can be a little bit more of a reasonable human right now, you know, yeah. than, than what my baseline level would be, you know, and, and it's helpful. So but anyway, um, let's. I just have a couple other questions for you, and I, I know I know you are still parents, and you've got your evening to to get to. So, uh, you're fresh out of boards. 
you're you're regaining this like integration process and being together. Talk to us a little bit more about like how you plan to regain that sense of normalcy moving forward. I know Lynn, like you're in this lull before you start your new job, but in anticipation, mm-hmm. like you're not on this, you know, take a drink from a fire hose every day plan that you've been on for three years. So what kind of sense of normalcy do y'all hope to regain moving forward? I mean, one thing is like tomorrow is one of the first days I'm going to have uh, solo boys are back in school tomorrow. They were just uh, quarantined for a week and a half. So I've been back to homeschool, that kind of thing. But um, tomorrow is what I've been waiting for for the past 10 years because I don't work on Mondays and Fridays. So I am going to be uh, cleaning out the garage, cleaning out the chicken coop. Uh, I'm going to go haul our lobster traps out of the water for the season. Uh, and just like taking care of the homestead yep. uh, has been really hard, uh, well, for the past 10 years, but even more so now that Lynn has been um, at school and we've had this pandemic. Um, so that's one of the big things I'm looking forward to is being able to do that. But it's the small things, too, like. Lynn now can help out with making lunches or she's taking the kids to a doctor's appointment on um, Thursday afternoon or we're making plans for what we're going to be doing over the next month on the weekends, which we previously were not doing. Yeah. So for us, it's a lot of like just back to being a family. Where my mind is present. Where your mind is present. and. And she doesn't have to be anywhere. It's not like, oh, yeah, well, Saturday I'm going to be gone studying. Okay, well, we'll figure out what we're doing. Um, even yeah. things down dinners. Like Lynn was like, oh, I've got Tuesday night and Wednesday night. You know, there's there's this whole back to normalcy, which is just freaking awesome for me. I feel like I'm in a permanent hammock. Um, it's just, uh, just this whole shift into more of a relaxed calm chill kind of family life again you, you said you feel like you're you're back in a hammock yeah like a permanent hammock i just, just relax lynn's around i don't have to be pina coladas yeah that's <laughs> so good on every- chilling on your boston whaler pulling lobster traps all the dads out there are like where did they go to anesthesia school this sounds good yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah that's awesome yeah, and for- being like a mom again and being able like this whole time that I'm off, I'm like, I'll do pickup, I'll do drop off, like um just being present at my kids' schools and helping out, you know, just helping with those types of things, being able to help out with meals and um and honestly go for walks with my girlfriends again and stuff like that. That for me um is part of the normalcy. And it will be, you know, I am looking forward to honestly working at some point again soon too. I have two more weeks. But then getting a paycheck, it'd be nice to have a paycheck and, you know, kind of get that ball rolling. So that's, I think. And how about that? What, 12 hours of sleep you got the other day? Oh, my God. I slept 12 hours and I could have slept longer. It was amazing. <laughs> so awesome. Oh, my God. It was so awesome. And then nine hours the next. I mean, I'm like a six hour a night type of person. So like 12 hours and then nine hours. Oh, my God. I was in the best mood yesterday. That's some restoration <laughs> for sure. Yeah. That's so good. Well, hey, thinking about the critical care nurses who are out there who have kids, 
who are maybe listening to this, who have found this podcast, who are thinking about anesthesia school, what advice would you give them? We've talked about a lot, but what would you sound off with in terms of if there's that ICU nurse out there who's wondering, can I do it? I've got two young kids. I'm not sure I can do it. What would you tell them? And I would love to hear from both of you on this. I would just say, do it. Uh, There's never a good time. You're going to love it. It's going to suck. I keep saying like to people that I know that have gone to anesthesia school, like welcome to the suck of anesthesia school. You have arrived, but it does suck. And, but it's like so worth, it's so worth it. Um, and there's just never a good time. Just do it. Um, get as many resources as you can, like family wise and babysitters and money and do some therapy. Um, and just do it, do it. And don't look back. Um, I, you know, I feel like if we can do it, anyone can do it. Um, I'm just glad I had so many people rooting for me. I had a friend that was like ahead of me that I went, worked with in main man. He just was literally just like, dude, I was crying to him. I've cried to so many people and like, I don't think I could do it. And they're like, everyone was just rooting for me. Like, do it. It's going to be worth it. You're going to, you won't regret it. Um, and it's so worth it. So just do it. Um, have a regular date night with your kids. Um, have a regular date night with your husband. Keep the communication lines open, like over communicate so that everyone knows what the expectations are. Um, therapy, therapy, therapy. Um, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. And that same, I think that person Lynn was talking about Ryan, he, we were, we were doing the numbers early on and that was one of the sticking points of like, can like, we actually you mean like crunching numbers? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, can yeah. we actually afford to do this? And he was just like, just do it. Just do it. You guys can make it happen. Yeah. And we're like, and ah, was like no, I, I need to know. So. I'm a numbers person. It doesn't make sense on work. paper. How's this ever going to work? And he was the turning point. Yeah. He was like, just do it. Just yeah. you guys can make it happen. Yeah. Do it. And we're like, uh, okay, I guess we'll just do it. And yeah. we did. And he was right. He was totally right. Um, and I think uh, we are in just such a good place now, having yeah. gone through all that. It's that whole, like, almost, maybe it's like the Buddhist thing, right? Like, you've got to experience the pain in order to experience the joy. Like, that's how I feel right now. Like, we sacrificed, we we did it, we got through it, and now we're in just such a better place. Um our, our lives are just going to be so much richer now where Lynn's got a better career. We have more money. We can do more things, a better schedule. Um, it's just all, it's all good. Totally worth it. Even though I'm still uh, traumatized and working through all that, yeah. there's a little recovery period, <laughs> but um, uh, I can, I can see the light. It's all good. And I just have one thing to share, like just to give parents perspective on, um, how it is for kids. So, you know, it was like, everything was anticlimactic, like, Oh, in May, it's like, you have a fake graduation online. It's like, Woo. And then I was like, all right, pack it up everyone. Cause I had to go to Millinocket for my clinical. And I was like, well, that was some graduation. Then I come back and I'm like, we're like, Woo. It's the last time we have to travel. Like I had to go to Millinocket and Holton, but then that was over. Then I was like, Woo. It's the last night of clinical. Like let's get, you know, Vietnamese food and celebrate. And then the next day I had to go to research day and my son, my six-year-old son was like, wait, I thought we just celebrated mm. that you were done. And I was like, oh yeah, but tomorrow's research day. I'm getting my presentation. Tomorrow's like my real last day at like UNE. 
He's like, okay. So then, like, hey, we go out downtown. It's like, woo, this, we're done. Then it was like, okay, start Monday. I'm starting for boards. And my son yeah. was like, wait, I, th- I thought we were done. And then I thought we were done again. And now you have to go back to study, like, day and night for boards. So mm. then, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to explain it to him. He's like, okay, like, he still doesn't get it. And then... The weekend before, I'm like, all right, Monday's my exam. It's the big one. It's the exam. And I'm like, Ozzy, this is why I went to school. I went to school to learn all this information for the big exam. And it's going to be, you know, on Monday. And he, So this is a six-year-old. And this, I think, says it all. He goes, so you went to school for the last 11 years for this one exam? <laughs> and I'm like. Oh my God. Like that's how it feels to the six year old. Like I just went to school for 11, the kid's six. (laughs) I'm like, you think I went to school for 11 years, but to him, it, it, it clearly, in my opinion, like it felt like a long time and it's been a lot for him too. Um, you know, just in that perspective of, you know, what he had to go through too. And he's resilient and he's, we're so close and he gives me so many snuggles and we just, we have a great relationship, but it just gave me a lot of insight on how it does affect these kids. Yep. Uh, my son with pandas, you know, the few times we did see flares was times that I went away to like a faraway site where I was four hours away um, and times like that. So it did, you know, he, he, we saw some changes with him too, but like Nate said, it was short and we got through it. So, yep. But just do it, just do it, just do it. Yep. Y'all, that's such a good line. Uh, Lynn, I've got a photo of you sharing your poster presentation. We'll have to put it you know, up on Instagram or the show notes to this podcast when you're talking about, but tomorrow's my poster day. And yeah. like that, the seesaw of like, and we're done, but now I'm not. I got to go do this other thing. And now we're just going to celebrate this. Like there's, there, for you, all of those moments are wonderful celebrations, but I can totally just feel that for like a six-year-old and a nine-year-old to be like, but wait, we thought you were done. You know, you're not, you're not really done. And then again, uh, I think you both mentioned it, but you know, the reintegration phase, the renormalization phase, like that, it takes some time and, and, and to hear both of you, how, how satisfied and how gratified and how relieved you are to be at this point. And Lynn, you've not even started your new job yet or gotten the first paychecks yet, but you're already feeling like it's totally worth it. We're so stoked. And I get it. It's that anticipation of what, what is to come. And, and I just wish you both, I wish all four of you the best moving forward, because I know that, um, it has been so worth it for me to go back to school and, and what that has changed in my life and for my family and to be in this position with, uh, with my wife and having this three month old now. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a great path to be on, I think is a theme that I tell, SRNAs and critical care nurses all the time is that it's a great path to be on. And I'm just stoked for you. I'm stoked that you're at this point that we've captured uh, this little sliver of your stories. And I'm so appreciative of y'all sharing um, your stories with, with me and with all of us tonight. So thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's been our pleasure. And it's great chatting with you as always. It was awesome working with you. Uh, and I know, I know I'm confident our paths will cross again very soon. Totally. I look forward to it and yeah, we all got to hang out soon. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> That'd be good. 
All right. Sounds good. Thanks, John. Hey, y'all. John here. If you're digging the show, will you take a couple of minutes and drop a review of Anesthesia Guidebook on Apple Podcasts? Your comments and ratings help other people trust the show. Also, send a link to the podcast to your classmates and colleagues. Word of mouth is the best way for Guidebook to grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.